I've decided what I think is behind all of this and you will never convince me otherwise right, as right. some other people, like some of those older guys that were presenting at the UFO conference we went to in Cedar city years mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those dudes, like if you even mentioned something that wasn't exactly oh what they decided, was yeah. it, then they jump in your ass with your both face, feet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a done deal. Yeah. They don't even want to talk um, story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't know. Planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal-like creature that was shot. Wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uggles. I am Shane. I'm Josh. <laughs> What's going on, Couldn't man? Think of anything fun to say? Yeah, yeah. It is a Friday evening, that's for sure. I got more, but more pressing matters on my mind right now. So. Any hook. Um, yeah, it's Friday. We made it. Yeah, right. Yay. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a hard week. I will be honest with you. It's been uh, it's been a lot of stuff going on between work and personal. And But I will share this real quick, which you kind of already know, but I'll share with the listeners because it's it's a huge recommendation. Um, again, back to movies. Fuck, we, you know, both Josh and I, yabba, yabba, yabba about them, right? Uh, Oppenheimer. Holy shit, dude, it was good. I mean, my God, it was good. I'm just going to do my best to piss off Christopher Nolan and not see it in IMAX. <laughs> IMAX would have been, oh, oh, that would have been superb if I would have saw it in IMAX. It was so good in the regular theater, though. So the wife felt bad, and, and I, I pitched it because we're, so listeners, we got a uh, an episode that we have queued up that we're working on. Um, it's around that whole era and that kind of subject matter. And I actually got a tour lined up, too, on Friday, which is kind of cool, which we'll, we'll let you guys know. Hopefully it, it all works and comes to fruition. But I told the wife, I was like, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, we haven't gone to the movies lately because we have a newborn child. However, um, it would be research. And so she sat on for a couple of days and then um, decided to, okay. Uh, and she bought me a ticket out of nowhere and said, all right, go research. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. So that's the only reason I got to go. But uh, it was really cool. It was really, really well done. Well, and again, Christopher Nolan. So it's very follow it. Because it does jump around, because that's you know he does that on a lot of his movies. Um, we were to group chatting about Tenet the other day. Um, good example, you know. But um, yeah. it's really good, dude. Really, really fucking good. Hell yeah! So anyway, um, and I don't know. Barbie's on my lo- oh. So a side story with that, and I think this is funny that we can jump into it. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting ticket. I'm actually getting water at the concession stand, you know, before the movie, and. You know, this is like eleven fifteen in the morning, you know, for only really time that I can do it, you know, to get out away from work and then get back to work in time. And um, yeah, I look beside me and there's a group of elderly folks, about three of them. And, and when I say elderly, I mean, very, very elderly, right? Canes and all, whatever have you waddled up to the station, asked the guy for tickets. He goes, well, what movie do you want to see? And they were wanting to see Barbie. And I thought <laughs> that was the fucking funniest thing. I'm like, good on them. I just thought that was awesome. But anyway. But uh, everybody, this is a news episode, our monthly 14. We try to stay on um, schedule with these, but uh, every now and again we kind of lose track. But we'll be honest with you, there's a lot of stuff. It was kind of hard for me to kind of figure out what I'm going to talk about because, holy shit, there's been a lot of things going on. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, Been a lot happening. It has. It's been weird weird news type stuff and not only weird well you know and we touch bases with it a little bit but we'll bring it up again the whole whistleblower the hearings with grush um yeah i don't know very interesting you know of course ryan graves is part of that we talked about that before i think an episode or so ago uh he's still making the rounds you know or all, all yeah. Of yeah uh are you doing a story about that i mean i don't have a story on that on my side i haven't saved i can pull up unless you got one Oh, I've got one. I was just like, okay. not, I know we've talked about it, but I figured like a summary. Might yeah, be. absolutely. No, I think okay. that's good. Uh, we actually got a, a little couple, behind the scenes listeners. Right. Exactly. Well, we got a couple of patrons that actually were actually asking specific things about that. So yeah, good. Good on you. I'm glad you got that. Um, but I will kick it off here and then I will throw it over to you. But this, um, 
This actually is by, uh, so there's a website I follow called giantfreakingrobot.com. It's actually kind of cool. All kinds of weird little news stories. And when you cross-reference them, usually they're pretty accurate. Uh, And I pulled this one off here. Scientists are reanimating terrifying species and they're instantly multiplying. Oh, tight. Did you you catch this? That's some crazy shit, dude. Are you talking about that like 45,000-year-old roundworm or whatever? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So um, here it is. So it's almost as if scientists watch movies like Jurassic Park. And instead of thinking something along the lines of, wow, that was a really bad idea. Let's not do that. Um, they did it. So <laughs> this actually stems from an article from Futurism. Uh, they reanimated a 46,000-year-old roundworm. So you were right on that. Off by, what, 1,000? Um, that were discovered 130 feet below the Siberian permafrost. And to make matters worse, the species has already started reproducing. Uh, this really isn't scary in its own right, other than it kind of, holy shit, this has been hibernation for <laughs> for how long? Cue up the fucking Dr. Malcolm gif from said movie. Right, exactly. Any said movie, like hundreds of them out there, right? Or like, uh, uh, no, like uh, from Jurassic Park where he's oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You spent so much time wondering if you could, you never stopped to wonder if you should. I can't believe you remember that shit, dude. That's hilarious. Um, the study published in the journal PLOS Genetics explained that this experiment was simply scientists trying to reanimate the corpses of long-dead animals, but that the researchers had good intentions behind playing mad scientists. Since these organisms were discovered beneath the permafrost, the idea is that they might be able to help us learn more about climate change and how to adapt quickly to changing weather patterns. I don't know about that quickly. A thousand years down the road. So... Um, ancient roundworms belong to a newly discovered species of nematodes known for their ability to survive in a wide range of environments. And the scientists didn't exactly bring them back to life because these strange worms hidden under the Siberian permafrost never actually died. Turns out that these remarkable little creatures have the ability to suspend their metabolism and remain dormant for tens of thousands of years. It kind of reminds me of tardigrades a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so the same thing. It's just amazing how things can just freeze and then... You know, it's, it's well, fucking crazy. I, I mean, the tens of thousands of years bit, maybe not, but like that's kind of like a thing that cold-blooded organisms can do. For a, a large extent of time. I remember when I was a kid, I used to hear about like frogs going into hibernation for years at a time and then, you know, being reanimated when they're warming back yeah, up. Yeah, like they get cold know? and they basically freeze and yeah. then they get warmed up and they're like, oh, that was a nice nap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My mom used to have like a... Think koi fish or something in this pond in the yard, and every winter came and the shit would freeze, and they would just freeze in the water, and then it would thaw out and they'd swim again. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing yeah. I ever got it. So anyway, um, so the researchers believe that this discovery holds significant implications for understanding how complex organisms can survive long periods of stasis by adapting to survive in a cryptobiotic state in the permafrost. Some nematode species gain the potential to remain in this state for. Uh, huge geological time frames, basically. So, you know, it goes on and on here, but what's interesting is why they were doing it, and they kind of brought them back to life, um, they started basically uh, breeding. And so, and it's already, you know, there's not a count on this. I think this article I captured about four days ago, uh, but I captured again somewhere else. And just just absolutely crazy. I mean, nature in general is crazy, and it kind of goes back to, not really a scary thing, but it goes back to, you know, like, look, the ice is melting. There's things that are, you know, these ancient viruses that they're finding, you know, that's underneath the ice and everything else. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes maybe that wouldn't uh, wouldn't really be a thing you need to play with, right? Yeah. So, so this story was making the rounds on like Twitter and stuff, and and I saw one comment that was like, I know there are a lot of people kind of pissed that they're fucking with this shit, but like what you got to understand is that this would have happened either way because climate change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're just speeding it up. So at least they're in a lab looking at it and not like, it's not just happening out in nature. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's uh, scary. I mean, what if it, you know, we're looking at climate change, we get to that. What happens if these said viruses or whatever have you just naturally are airborne because they finally came out of their, you know, their thing. I don't know. Well, that was one of the things that I want to say the CDC and the WHO were saying at the beginning of the, of, covid was this is going to happen more regularly because of climate change because shit that wasn't around before is going to reawaken well was around before but we haven't dealt with is going to reawaken because it's getting warmer yeah Yeah, there's a lot of things basically shit dropped 
trapped in the permafrost is going to be gnarly. Well, and not only that, but just, you know, us in general, you know, we've got more human beings on this earth, different germs, different microbes, different things adapting and trying to survive. I mean, look, viruses are one of the oldest surviving species in the world, of course, for a reason, right? And so, you know, some of these old ones, I don't know, you know, it makes you makes you wonder. That's a scary thing. Well, now, now I guess I'm glad I didn't pick the story about the giant viruses in no, the I was English pick forest that or whatever. <laughs> I looked at that one, too. I was going to pin that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But anyway, yeah. what do you got, man? Uh, so I guess we'll start with the aforementioned kind of summary of of, uh, of the whistleblower of the hearings. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. That were like, what, a week or two ago? Right. Um, basically... Not a lot of new information came out of them, but it was cool that it was all under oath to Congress, read into the record, basically. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but not a ton of new information. Uh, this is from the debrief where, full disclosure, most of my stuff is from today. <laughs> uh, is by Micah Hanks. Whistleblowers testify under oath regarding craft of non-human origin and military encounters with UAP. So testimony from three witnesses knowledgeable of the U.S. government's dealings with the unidentified anomalous phenomena, UAP, um, including firsthand accounts from Navy pilots and allegations involving the retrieval of craft of non-human origin were presented before members of Congress on Wednesday. The widely anticipated congressional hearing held by the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border and Foreign Affairs featured testimony from two former U.S. Navy pilots and a former intelligence officer who worked with the UAP task force. This is an issue of transparency, said Representative Tim Burchett, Republican from Tennessee, during opening remarks. We can't trust a government that doesn't trust its people. Uh, Representative Anna Paulina Luna, Republican from Florida, speaking after Burchett, referenced mountains of classified documents that have been withheld from the American people, citing widespread public belief that uh, significant amounts of information about the U.S. government's UAP investigations are being withheld from Americans. Hmm. From my personal experience, I believe the same thing, Luna said. Uh, Today is the first hearing of its kind that will attempt to get to the bottom of what's behind UAPs, Luna said, noting that she and other representatives were recently denied information during their inquiries on the matter. So already yeah. getting stonewalled, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. God damn it. Uh, the American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence, and unexplained phenomena, said Representative Jared Moskowitz, Democrat from Florida, okay. uh, referencing language referenced used or recently used in a statement by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who has joined the push for transparency on the issue with the presentation of a proposed amendment to the following National Defense Authorization Act. Moskowitz also cited concerns over possible special access programs, weapons development, and other government activities that Congress and the American public should be informed about. The first of the witnesses to speak, former fighter pilot Ryan Graves, said during his opening statement that he and fellow members of the U.S. Navy Fighter Attack Squadron, VFA-11, had similar encounters to the U.S. Eastern Coast between 2014 and 15. Again, this is all stuff yeah. we knew about already, right? right? right, right. Um, upon an upgrade to our radar system, we began to detect unknown objects in our airspace, Graves said, initially dismissed as software glitches. We soon commemor- corroborated these radar tracks with infrared sensors, confirming their physical presence. Uh, hmm. Again, that's known, but very interesting right. and sometimes I think kind of overlooked. You know what I yeah, mean? Like absolutely. It's not... It's not, you, you can't say it's just a glitch in a system if it's happening with multiple systems, right? Yes. Um, Graves said his squadron's encounters with UAP became so frequent that they became part of daily briefs. Since retiring from military service, Graves founded the advocacy organization Americans for Safe Aerospace to raise awareness about pilot safety issues resulting from UAP. David Grush, the whistleblower, whistleblower behind a PPD-19 urgent concern filing with the intelligence community inspector general, again, first reported by the debrief in June, said during uh, Wednesday's hearing that he came forward based on credible information others had conveyed to him about an alleged government program involved in the recovery of craft of non-human origin. 
Uh, my testimony is based on information I have been given by individuals with a longstanding track record of legitimacy and service to this country, many of whom also shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony, Gresh said during opening statements. Oral. I've taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years and to do my due diligence on the individuals sharing it, Gresh said. And it is because of these steps that I believe strongly in the importance of bringing that information before you. Um, Notably, Charles McCullough, former intelligence community inspector general and the attorney now representing David Grush, according to several sources, uh, the debrief has spoken with on background, appeared to be present among attendees seated behind Grush during the hearing. So, again, nothing new there, but uh, under oath to Congress being read into the record. It's a thing, right? uh, not to say no one's ever lied to Congress before, but right. But still, that's like, damn, I, I don't know. I, again, yeah, you know, I was talking to this guy that I, I uh, met at a local brewery that we go to every now and then. Uh, really nice guy. He's really he's interested in this. And we always talk about this thing. And he goes, did you hear about this and this and this? And he sent some of the thing. And, so, and I got to read through it because I haven't had a chance to read completely through it. But it's a an amendment that was put forth to basically get all this out into the open and I mean, if it passes, if they say, oh, yeah, this is what we want to do. I mean, that's just another step towards, you know, going where all of us weirdos want this to go. Um, I don't know. You know, more to come. We'll see. It's just interesting that, yeah, that what I and I want to get your opinion on this because I don't know how to feel. I used to listen to their new podcast. I kind of stopped because some of it. And again, I'm not, you know, finger point, whatever have you, you know, everybody and their dog is sure. a podcast. But um, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell. So they were in the courtroom they're sitting right beside which is fine neither here nor there mm. but some of the stuff they had to say like after the fact and i i don't know i feel like they're i don't know if they're barking up the wrong tree or they're trying to detour facts and information when it happens i i don't know they just they have their opinions interjected a lot and you know there's some pretty big names i mean they are big names in especially ufo community so i don't know i yeah kind of makes me wonder about that too you know so. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, UFO community is going to UFO community, right? I, right, exactly. Uh, everyone's yeah. wrong but me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we inject our opinions all over everything we talk about. Right. Oh, fair. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, yeah. And But, I mean, that's kind of what everybody in this space does, right? Mm-hmm. Is, like, you kind of look at, at the information you have access to and all that and kind of... Uh, you know, you form your own opinions about things. Yeah. Um, I, I've listened to a bunch of episodes of uh, shit. I forget. It's what weaponized, right? Is that what it is? We, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's good. You know, it's entertaining. It, it is. They're fun to listen to. Yeah. Uh, I think that they're. I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but they're. I think they're pretty credible, but I think they also have. Uh, huge blind spot for believing their own hype. You know what I mean? Yes. Maybe that that's a sense? good, it does. And I think that's a better way to word it than I just did, to be honest with you. I, I, I absolutely see that. Yeah. They're, they're so. not down as far down the path of like, uh, I've decided what I think is behind all of this and you will never convince me otherwise right. as right. some other people, like some of those older guys that were presenting at the, UFO conference we went to in Cedar city years mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those dudes, like if you even mentioned something that wasn't exactly oh what they decided, was yeah. it, then they jump in your ass with your both face, feet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a done deal. Yeah. They don't even want to talk um, to It's weird. They're not that far down yeah. that road, but I think they're kind of starting to think of themselves as experts and starting to think that they have it figured out. And, and yeah, that's, that's just kind of like, I don't know. Well, it doesn't go back to the I, same thing as like, you know, Everybody think, oh, I'm an expert in uh, parapsychology. No, no, you're not. I mean, it's the same premise, right? You know, well, if you don't yeah. know what it is, you know, how are you going to so, be a, like, an expert in it? With those two, I think that they are as close to experts as you can. They've really been involved in a long time, and I, you know? I do. Yeah, devil's advocate. I'll, I'll play and, that card. And they they both have some pretty uh, decent journalistic bona fides, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Like well, George uh, Knapp has even I mean, with my God. even with all of his uh, UFO coverage, George Knapp is right. still a very well respected investigative Absolutely. journalist. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which I think sometimes people forget when he'll like hype up like there's stuff I can't tell you. I got to protect my sources, right, all that kind right, of stuff. Right. It's like 
fuck off, but also that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. No, I he you. definitely has information he can't put forward because yeah. he has to protect yeah. where he's getting it from, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. good. That's ju- that's in journalism with integrity. That's, that's what you want in this because it's already such a dubious topic. Right. Yeah. Um, and Jeremy Corbell has a lot of that. I mean, George Knapp is his mentor, but uh, sometimes I think he, I think he gets a little more carried away and a little more excited. About I, yeah. And at this, times, is well, which again, is that. that's not a bad thing necessarily no, because again, you know, but, but, but it does take like, you got to take some of the stuff they say with a grain of salt a little bit sometimes, right? right. which you but should you know, with any, you should it's skeptical skepticism, right? I mean, make sure you look, you know, look at the facts, figure things out, look at things from different angles. I mean, that's a whole goal of these things, you know, a lot of times, especially right now, but I don't know. You know, the, I, I think this is a positive move for the hearing. I think it's uh, there's some big names yeah. behind it. Well, I've been uh, I've been seeing know? somebody keep calling and calling them out because they're not trying to push Bob Lazar front and center in all this. No, I, I think I can. And it's that. like like they're like, you'd think that they would want him up there testifying like he must be full of shit if they're not pushing him. And it's like, yeah, or maybe he, he just doesn't, doesn't want, want. Yeah, maybe he maybe he already spilled his shit years ago, and he yeah. just kind of wants to be left alone. Maybe. And that. I mean, I'm I'm neither here nor there on Bob Lazar's complete credibility, right? Like, I'm the same way. I read the book because there's interesting. There, there you know. was so much done to undermine his story. Yep, that it makes you wonder if it's true. But also, how much of the undermining was stuff that was real? You know what well, I mean? So and it's not like only how, that. how 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 much. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I like, get what you're like saying. Like with everything with this, you got to take it with a grain of salt, yeah. right? Well, I mean, um, look at this. What, the, what was the last episode, two episodes ago, we covered the looking glass. Uh, Bob Lazar's name was part of that. I mean, so, you know, yeah, very legitimate. Well, Bob Lazar's name's all over everything because of who he is. And, and that's right. another interesting aspect of the phenomenon and, and UFO culture, for lack of mm-hmm. a better word, is when people make shit up, they go big and then they try to tie it to things that are more or less quote unquote accepted as real. Right. Right. Like for the most part, unless you don't believe in UFOs at all, right. Unless you think it's all bullshit, Mm -hmm. you, you believe Bob Lazar to some extent. Right. That's where I stand. I mean, I'm in that group. So, well, I would say that like 99% of the UFO community, right? Like they, yeah. they think that there is at least some legitimacy, legitimacy, legitimate legitimacy. His story is somewhat legitimate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, like it, at least there's, it. there's at least some truth to it. Right. Right. Um, and uh, so you'll get people when people are making shit up, they try and tie it back to people that, to things, Bob Lazar is an example that are, uh, widely accepted as real or true or whatever right yeah. you know what i mean that's and and that's just kind of how the grift works it's how conspiracy thinking uh, works. absolutely I mean, look at QAnon. yeah like they yeah. just wrap every every new conspiracy theory that drops gets wrapped into that so that it's even more contradict that self-contradicting than the fucking bible yeah you and when that's I mean? the thing but, and it gets so convoluted at that point that it's like holy shit you, you the shovel wouldn't even get you out after you get th- so many layers of the onion and it can happen pretty quick. I mean, you know, it, you bring up QAnon. It is very, very shocking to me still how quick that QAnon conspiracy grew legs. Like, it just blew my mind of how rampant it was. And it, a large percentage, and again, it doesn't sound large, 17-something percent, but a large percentage, and the, to me, in this country, that's a pretty fucking fair large number, still believe yeah, it. Yeah, that's millions of people. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just insane. Yeah, so no, I, I get you. I think you're hitting on the head. Well, yeah, um, so, more to so it, you know. I would say listen to our podcast first, of course, and then <laughs> listen to Weaponized. Yeah, Because <laughs> sure. it's fun. It and is. they talk about a lot yeah. of really interesting stuff. And those guys are, it's fun to listen to those guys talk about things, whether you agree with what they're saying or not. They're right. great at having conversations about weird shit. Yeah. So, like, you know, I would just say, pinch of salt like i would with anything else yep. like i would with us like fuck dude i don't know yeah. what i'm talking about half right the time. right right this is you know? just fun and games but yeah. or it um, is it? but there anyway there was one interesting thing that about the testimony that i did want to call out and that was um so under oath uh grush was asked about uh about um bodies 
the bodies, right? Being oh recovered. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this kind of slid yeah. under the radar. I didn't catch this a lot in um, right. in a lot of the people arguing back and forth online about it's, it. It's but non-human uh, in what statement? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in what was arguably one of the most explosive claims made under oath during Wednesday's hearing, when asked by Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, whether the remains of UAP pilots had ever been obtained by the U.S., Grush also stated that quote biologics came with some of these recoveries end quote uh involving alleged craft of non-human origin so basically he's like duh yeah 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 right of course right you know and it's just like that's all they really say about it that's like it sounds i didn't yeah sit and watch the hearing so i don't know if more people question about it but like uh it's just funny that that's kind of like basically it like well yeah well and and here's the thing i'm a little bipartisan right now because honestly i'm in the middle of the book the day after roswell that talks about that exact thing and if this retired colonel that wrote the book um has any seen in inkling of truth oh my god yeah absolutely i mean grush is right you know it, it's just crazy so you know i i've got that going through my back of my mind the whole time i'm watching the testimony and the hearings uh you know because of this book it's just uh you know it is what it is but um but more to come. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, you know, we'll I've see got a, a follow up to that one that's basically talking about how they're already kind of they, yeah, they TM, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, are yeah. already uh, starting the same kind of like disinformation. Don't take this shit seriously. Campaigns that they've always done, right, that right, they. Right trademark have always done um so we'll get to that in a minute but okay okay cool yeah um i got one here and then we can take a quick commercial break and this is really lighthearted fun but again i like lighthearted fun like this and evidently there's a lot of money getting thrown uh that will be thrown into this thing so uh Loch Ness monster hunt could end at last as biggest search since 1972 is about to begin uh did you hear about this one at all I did not. This is interesting. So, again, fun stuff. This has been batted around for how many centuries, literally, you know, along with the Mothman of the cryptids, whatever have you. But at the same time, uh, somebody got enough funds to <laughs> to do this, evidently. So the Loch Ness Center, uh, who have partnered with Loch Ness Exploration, voluntary research team, are calling for volunteers to help them uncover the mysteries of the famous Scottish Loch. The weekend of exploration, which is set to take place on Saturday, 26th, and Sunday, the 27th of August, will reportedly be the biggest of its kind since the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau studied the lock in 1972. So this is kind of cool. They're bringing tech in, basically, instead of just you know people on a boat saying they saw something. So yeah. surveying equipment never before used on Loch Ness will be enlisted to uncover the secrets of the mysterious waters. Um, organizers say, oh, they spelled organizers wrong. Great. With the ultimate hope, European, <laughs> yeah, oh, maybe. With the ultimate hope of finding the elusive Nessie, drones will be used to produce thermal images of the water from the air using infrared cameras, allowing researchers to scan for heat signs from above and identify any mysterious anomalies. Special hydrophone technology will also be deployed to detect acoustic signals under the water and listen for Nessie calls. They say, I, I don't think that's what they're called. Whatever. Um, Loch Ness Center and LNAE are also seeking volunteers to take part in a giant surface watch of the lock, who will keep eye out for breaks in the water and any uh, movements that might come to the surface. The Loch Ness Center is located at the Old Drama Cheek Hotel, uh, where 90 years ago hotel manager Mrs. Aldi McKay reported seeing a water beast in Loch Ness. The site recently underwent a $1.5 million, and that's in British pounds, by the way, a $1.5 million renovation to create a modern immersive exhibition with interactive elements. Man, I want to go. Dang. Um, it's finalized here. So Paul Nixon, general manager of Loch Ness Center, said, quote, We are guardians of this unique story, and as well as investing in creating an unforgettable experience for visitors, we are committed to helping continue the search and unveil the mysteries that lie underneath the water of the famous loch. The weekend gives an opportunity to search the waters in a way that has never been done before, and we can't wait to see what we find. Um, so just to follow up on that, we there was a report, and I don't know if you caught this, in June, a tourist visiting Loch Ness uh, claimed he spotted a mysterious 60-foot-long shape moving through the water, sparking rumors of Nessie yet again, and that was as recent as June. So again, weekend of the 26th, 27th of uh, August, I don't know. Stand by. I'll try to flag this story and see what the update is. But uh, they're bringing tech into it. They're bringing equipment into it. And, you know, here's the thing. If yeah. it doesn't well, show anything, then what? It's not dead, right? I mean, they're going to well, continue kicking. if that were the case, then it would be dead a long time ago. I mean, I can't count the number of 
different you know, exploration quest episodes, right? And right. Docu series yeah. on the History Channel and Travel Channel and God knows what, where they've taken tech to Loch Ness and tried to find it. Yeah. Well, you know, pretty much empty handed, you know? Yeah. And I, I've caught those two in the past. I think this one's going a little bit further, but honestly, yeah, you know, granted you, those are usually like three day expeditions. Yeah. Where they're yeah. Just yeah. Looking at one small spot. You right. Know? But, with a boat with like a, you know, thermal camera or whatever. Well, here they're trying to comb it. And I know just from the history of the lock, um, it's murky as fuck. Like that lake, you can't see two feet down underneath the water. It's just muddy and murky and shitty, which impedes, you know, all the past exploration that they've had in the place. But uh, yeah. again, dumb fun news. You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes and uh, we'll go from there. But yeah, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Y'all stand by. Believe in UFOs felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain. Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right. And we're back. Uh, So... Uh, this is that follow-up story I was teasing to the uh, to the oh, UAP hearings, um, and it's aptly titled uh, <laughs> "The Empire Strikes Back." Would be UAP whistleblowers offered dire warnings from U.S. Secretary or sorry, U.S. Security Clearance Organization uh, by Christopher Plain again from Debrief. Um, Clearance Jobs, an organization that defines itself as the largest career network for professionals with federal government security clearance, has issued an apparent letter of guidance that also serves as a chilling warning to any industry or government insiders who are considering coming forward as UAP whistleblowers with evidence of their work with non-human craft and their pilots. So uh, basically, top secret LinkedIn is being like, I don't know if you should do what you're thinking about doing. Uh, so uh, the letter titled how to blow the whistle. If you work with flying saucers and their alien pilots, clever title uh-huh. was issued to all subscribers via email on July 13th and is peppered with well-known or well-worn buzzwords seemingly meant to belittle the topic before laying out the dire consequences that likely await anyone who breaks their security oaths to talk about their classified work. So this is, you know, well, well used old play, right? Like, oh, yeah, Jesus fucking make, make it sound like it's dumb or not worth your time. And then also, oh, but also you could get in really big trouble if you talk about this shit. Yeah. Yeah. D- so, double entendre. Isn't that lovely? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So um, after outlining the claims involving the U.S. government's alleged profession or possession of non-human craft made by former intelligence officer David Grush, um, the uh, this letter has a bunch of subsections. Uh, the first titled Whistleblowing Something Good uh, opens with more loaded phrasing and language, including the second use of the term space aliens, which seems to have replaced the classic <laughs> little green men when trying to downplay and stigmatize the topic uh, before positing a scenario where Grush's claims are actually found to be true. So, quote, if it were all true, it would be the most extraordinary event in millennia with seismic implications for science, philosophy, religion, sociology, psychology, technology, everything, end quote, uh, writes author author David W. Brown, who is described as a regular contributor to clearance jobs. Uh, Nothing would ever be the same again. It would be a unifying force, unlike anything since Constantine legalized Christianity in the Roman Empire. Uh, That one made me stop right there. That is a huge, gross oversimplification. No shit. Uh, Blown that up a little bit? Constantine didn't legalize Christianity. He converted the empire to it. Yes, yes. Like he said, forget everything you've been doing. You're all Christians now, which is a lot different than saying this is okay. Yeah. Uh, So right there, just for saying it like that, this dude is 
in my book. Kind, kind, kind of lost some credibility there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Uh, so he goes on to note that uh, he cannot think of a single drawback to the government, quote, revealing the existence of space aliens, uh, feudalistic dominance notwithstanding, end quote. I giggle every uh, time before, I hear uh, space aliens, dude. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, dude, the fuck? This, this article is so much fun. <laughs> before commenting that if Grush is sane, This would mean that he has done a good thing by blowing the whistle. Hiding flying saucers isn't government wrongdoing exactly or fraud, waste or abuse. Brown adds with one metaphorical eyebrow raised at most. It's just a little weird blowing the whistle on aliens. In other words, is a complete and total positive for all involved End quote. Uh, Interestingly, this sentence seems in direct contrast to the claims by Grush that the efforts to conceal and reverse engineer these crafts have been kept away from the from the United States Congressional Oversight, a clear violation of a number of laws designed specifically to prevent rogue elements of the security state or any part of the government from spending taxpayer funds on programs not authorized by Congress. So. So basically, this letter of guidance sent to a network of professionals with top secret clearances yeah, yeah. saying uh, it's making fun of the whole thing. And yeah. then also saying exactly like you could get in deep shit if you know something and you come forward. And uh, I'm going to skip through some of this, but it's, it's basically ignoring the fact that what Gresh is accusing these programs of doing is illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Compl- right? What so is this, this guy's is name again? I'm sorry. Uh, Brown, something Brown. Brown. Okay, yeah, yeah. Up. I just want David W. Brown. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know why that rings a bell. Um, and again, he's just listed as some as a regular regular contributor. To think of it as LinkedIn for people with clearance. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, um. So let's see. I lost my place. Yeah, I screwed you up. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. So, in fact, uh, this allegation of those crimes found credible and urgent enough by the inspector general of the intelligence community to open an investigation and also referred rush and his claims to the Congress members who oversee budget appropriations for secret programs. Uh, These moves have spurred members of Congress from both sides of the aisle, not an insignificant accomplishment in today's political environment to enact legislation uh, designed to reveal any such misappropriation and funds of the associated malfeasance. So the next section is called, so saith the law. And this is where dude goes in uh, to basically say, if you blow the whistle, you're going to go to jail. Yeah. Um, so he says uh, that uh, the statutes that pertain to whistleblowing all speak to things like violation of the law, gross mismanagement, gross waste of public funds, threats to life or public health, those types of things, which is this is another guy who's quoted in the article whose name is Bigley. Oh, lovely. <laughs> who is of course. Uh, who is uh, a lawyer that sometimes contributes to these things or lawyer something, something like that. Very much Bigley. Um, so it's funny it seems to perfectly outline the most serious claims of the illegal circumventation of congressional oversight outlined, outlined by both Grush and his legal complaint to the IG. Um, the letter's author then goes on to outline the legal steps as told to him by Bigley uh, that one must undertake if they are planning to blow the whistle on activities inside the government before making a somewhat startling and seemingly ill-informed statement of his own. Jesus Christ. Quote, uh, Grush claims he did all those things, Brown writes. The catch is he has not really exposed any government wrongdoing, which means whistleblowing statutes might not protect him if the government wants to prosecute, end quote. What? Jesus. Uh, this would fall under what I would call a public good category, but under current law, there isn't one, Bigley adds. Uh, fundamentally, the message from both men seemed to overlook or misunderstand the very specific crimes Grush has alleged, which includes the information about alleged UAP-related programs being illegally withheld from Congress, while also pointing out how any such claims could be trouble for those making them. Quote, if the government wants to prosecute, <laughs> quote, oh my God. Uh, though without addressing specific protections from such whistleblowers defined last year in language passed into law. Um, So he's basically. 
I don't know what he's doing, honestly. Dude, it's, I mean, it's wild. So it gets you're making a crazy. fucking joke at it, but at the same time, you're like, oh, you better not joke about that. That show gets you in yeah, jail. It gets <laughs> even more fuck? fun. Oh, um, okay, okay. In the next section, if the lizard people are not involved, Brown lays out oh, a theoretical Christ. scenario that could have faced a potential whistleblower. Uh, let's leave the aliens out, out of it for a moment, he writes. Suppose you are a scientist for the Department of Energy helping to develop some revolutionary carbon capture technology. It uses minimal energy, works in seconds, and turns carbon dioxide captured from atmosphere into a stable, harmless solid. You document your concerns and go through the chain, trying desperately to get someone to listen, but no one does. The classification remains, Brown laments. So you speak to, so you leak it uh, in the journal Nature, though you're careful to protect the parts that can be reverse engineered by bad guys, which in this situation, who gives a fuck? Um, The revelation causes an uproar for obvious reasons. Brown then goes on to point out that legal paradox or the legal Pandora's box, his seemingly good intention to Paul Revere has opened specifically the legal consequences for them personally. Uh, Basically legally you are on the hook for this. He writes, even if you just saved the planet earth. Jesus. Um, So he presents a series of possible consequences. The suddenly doomed hero may incur, including being charged for violation or for violating the espionage act and leaking classified information that could benefit a foreign nation to being sued by the government, losing your security clearance, losing your job and being barred from other government or contractor jobs. Um, In the following section titled, what defense do you have? The same attorney is quoted as telling Brown that even such a quote unquote positive whistleblower would have a very hard time in court. Um, It's all subjective. Bigly explains who is to say what is and isn't for the public good. The government might have a compelling reason to keep such a secret, so the public good defense wouldn't really fly from a legal standpoint, at least not under existing law. Uh, To this, Brown posits that a strong positive reaction from the court of public opinion may be enough to save our misguided good Samaritan from the the direst of legal consequences uh, before once again quoting Bigley, who says, but I would not advise anyone uh, to be the test case for that. Uh, Like the previous sections, the subtext (laughs) of these comments by both author and attorney is a hypothetical claim of secrecy against the public good, which is agreeably not a crime instead of the financial and oversight dodging efforts alleged by Grush that are anything but legal. Um, My God. And then uh, in a last ditch effort to offer his hypothetical whistleblower a lifeline, Brown proposes the idea of jury nullification. A legal concept that even if you have committed a crime, the jury might just let you get away with it anyway. But just like before, Brown quickly dashes the hero's hopes by reporting that Bigley says he would advise anyone against trying to roll the dice on such outcome. Um, Jesus. So basically, you can't blow the whistle on it for the public good and accept and expect a lot of work in your favor, which, duh. Yeah. Like, right. Uh <laughs> Anyway, um, similar to the bulk of arguments against blowing the whistle layered within the letter, this pair of comments seems to assume once again that one is blowing the whistle for some sense of public good and not for the specifically illegal activities alleged by Grush, activities which, again, have spurred Congress members from both sides of the aisle to investigate them together and motivate the former inspector general to take up the filing for Grush's IG case. Hmm. Uh, So it's just funny that they blast this out to basically LinkedIn for people with clearances, yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. people who work in fields that regularly do government work, mm-hmm. particularly where you might be working with some shit like this that first makes fun of it. And then says, also you're going to go to jail for a million years. If you do this, well, which dude, you, you've, I figured it out. I mean, I can't believe you haven't seen it. This is very, I mean, this article is written by reptilian. I mean, it's pretty fucking right. obvious. I mean, my God, right? Yeah, let's leave so. the lizard people, me, out <laughs> yeah, of it. Right, exactly. I mean, that fucking explains everything. Oh, my God. It's just wild. It's fucking but it's crazy. Like, this is some, I would expect something like this to come out about, like, leaking re- recordings of Nixon admitting to breaking into Watergate. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the same shit. Like, I don't know. I, I think a lot of these. That's funny. I think that there's over the last 20, 30 years, there's been a pretty big shift, right? In uh, not just the general public, 
but you got to remember that people who work in these fields are also part of the general public. Right. 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 Um, and there's been a big shift towards uh, people's opinions on UFOs, aliens, all that shit is something like oh, 100%. What, the, what was the last one they said where it was like 60 or 70% of people in the U S believe they're real and yeah. they've been here. Right. Yeah. yeah. So making fun of it doesn't have the same effect that it used to. You know Absolutely I mean? not. No, because people have a little bit better vindiction about things nowadays than they did. Yeah. Fucking, well, you know. and, and it's, it's also like, Oh, you're calling me a dumbass. Fuck you. Right. Right. So defense. Right. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're going. There. And yeah. this, and this also like, like on top of like your first, you're insulting the potential whistleblowers you're trying to keep from coming forward with this. And that used to work, right? That used to be like, you're afraid of ridicule or losing your job. So you didn't say anything about it when you saw something uh, weird. Bob Lazar or whatever. Very right? good example, right? Right. Um, but that's the fear of ridicule. Isn't as strong as it used to be because again, yeah, yeah the institutional fear is still there. You're going to get chuckle fucks like this blasting emails like this out to LinkedIn for people with clearance. But most of the people who read it are going to be like, whatever, dude, you know, well, what I mean? look, and like, it's getting more prevalent where people are going out there, especially people, you know, people that do this for a living, like look at Avi Loeb, you know, I mean, yeah. you wouldn't see that 20 years ago, but now, you know, he's a very, he's accredited uh, to go out there and say, no, this is what I think this is. And he's not afraid to pull the punches and say it, you know? Yeah. So, well, it, so it's it's funny that they use that tactic and then and then they couple it like they've got the jab of ridicule and then the fucking haymaker of I don't of, get it. I just don't you get might it. lose your job or end up in jail. Right, right, right. right. It's like a like, bad don't manager take this seriously, tactic. But if you do, right, right. It's a bad manager tactic. Know. Really, is what it is. Yeah. You know, I don't want you sticking in your head, but you know, you might be dropping a plate or two. But don't dwell on that. No, what the fuck are you? <laughs> it's the same well, same it, thing. It's fucking stupid. It, it's funny too because it's like you're challenging credibility of people who haven't said anything. And in that process, you're jeopardizing, if not completely right. giving up your own credibility. Right. Like, right. yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, funny. There, there's it's been just a lot funny of, there's been a lot of those same tactics, there. you know? Yeah. Well, and it's like human nature. It's like, you know, as far advanced as we think we are, we all always go back to just shitty human nature tactics. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's ever going to go away till we go away. It's just what it is, you know? But hopefully, you know, we get a little smarter with things as we get older and we get, you know, but I, I don't know. As mankind in general, I, I, I have doubts of, amongst us. So I don't know. Well, I mean, that but, chilling effect that they're trying to, to make does work, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not at putting times, in my LinkedIn profile that I'm part of this podcast because that <laughs> might make me not right. real hireable. Right. Well, you know, it you is know. what it is. I don't care personally, but yeah, I get it. But not yeah, granted, but like, I don't put know, it in LinkedIn. I don't put it. If I get an interview by a new company, I'm going to go, oh, have you heard about this podcast? Yeah. Okay. To your, <laughs> to your note. Yeah. yeah do that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not advertising it in a professional sense. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> have you heard about, have you heard about Dulce? Have you heard about level 13? Yeah. Yeah. That's not yeah, something not, you talk about. I'm not going to go on LinkedIn and post about it. Although I do for some, I somehow got connected with some dude on LinkedIn. It's like an ultra MAGA guy. Oh that, boy. Like, posts the most unhinged shit like he thinks it's on he's on facebook is his name trump it's, no but oh. he does love that guy oh, of course uh, he does but it's i'll i'll forward you some of his shit the next time it pops up it, it's, it's fucking, oh, fucking hate language man crazy so i'm just like bro this is linkedin and you're wondering why no one will hire you because you're like <laughs> throwing temper tantrums right, about exactly. like pronouns on a fucking yeah on, on a, a job, job hiring web page yeah yeah like what's your goal? What's your game here? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And like every, every few weeks he'll post like basically a GoFundMe for his medical bills or something. He's like, no one wants to hire me. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Cause you're an asshole. I'm an American place where people look for jobs. Yeah. Yeah. The fuck dude? go put your house in fucking drive and go somewhere else. Jesus Christ. Just amazing. So, uh, so Mm, interesting. Interesting. Anyway, I'm not talking about aliens on LinkedIn for those very, very (laughs) reasons. The chilling effect (laughs) that they're trying to promote there is actually real because Yeah. yeah, People who want to be taken seriously won't. Yeah. Ah, well, except you know. that, you know, I, again, I mean, anyway. that's just one article. How, out of how many different articles that have slammed Grush and what he's saying and Ryan, Gray, it's just, you know, whatever, you know, p- people are at the end of the day are just shitty, but anyway, well, so here's something that's kind of fun, kind of science fiction. It reminds me of like 1950s, but uh, this is interesting. We got funding for something computer chip with built in human brain tissue gets military funding. I don't know if you heard about this. This is uh, from the New Atlas, written by Laz Blaine. Uh, last year, Monash University scientists created the, 
this is what they call it, I shit you not, the dish brain. A semi-biological computer chip with some 800,000 human and mouse brain cells lab-grown into its own electrodes. Demonstrating something like sentience, uh, it learned to play Pong within five minutes. Now, I caught this maybe last year when they were working on it, but again, it was a complete experiment. I kind of blew it off, and then I caught it again, and then I caught it again. I'm like, oh, maybe they have something. Well, now we're at a point where it looks like it might get some money. So uh, the microelectrode array at the heart of the dish brain was capable both of reading activity in the brain cells and stimulating them with electrical signals. So the research team set up a version of Pong, as one does, where the brain cells were fed a moving electrical stimulus to represent which side of the screen the ball was on and how far away from the paddle it was. They allowed the brain cells to act on the paddle, moving it left and right. When they set up a very basic reward system, using the fact that small clusters of brain cells tend to try to minimize unpredictability uh, in their environment, so if the paddle hit the ball, the cells would receive a nice predictable stimulus. But if it missed, the cells would get four seconds of totally unpredictable uh, stimulation. It was the first time lab-grown brain cells have been used this way, being given not only a way to sense a world, uh, but to act on it, and the results are impressive, to say the least. I would say I'm, I, I stand by to be impressed. Impressive enough that the research undertaken a partnership with Melbourne startup Cortical Labs has now attracted a $407,000 grant from Australia's National Intelligence and Security Discovery Research Grants Program. I wonder if uh, the Australian version of Area 51 is involved in this, because it sounds like it might be. Uh, anyway, um, these programmable chips fusing biological computing with artificial intelligence, quote, in future may eventually surpass the performance of existing purely silicon-based hardware, unquote, uh, says projection lead associate professor Adil Razi. The outcomes of such research would have significant implications across multiple fields, such as, but not limited to, planning, robotics, advanced automation, brain-machine interfaces, and drug discovery, giving Australia significant strategic advantage. He's just caring about his country at this point. Um, the dish brain's <laughs> advanced learning capabilities, in other words, could underpin a new generation of machine learning, particularly when embodied in an autonomous vehicles, drones, and robots. It could give them, says Rozzi, a new type of machine intelligence that is able to learn throughout its lifetime. The technology promises machines that can continue to learn new abilities without compromising old ones, that can adapt well to change, and that can map old knowledge onto new situations while continually self-optimizing their use of computing power, memory, and energy. Uh, there's a quote here at the end. We will be using this grant, says Rosie, to develop better AI machines that replicate the learning capacity of these biological neural networks. This will help upscale the hardware and methods capacity to the point where they become a viable replacement for in-silicon computing. Um, yeah, where? Little, yeah. little hybrid brains going, going crazy. So, Interesting. although I don't think four hundred thousand, four hundred seven thousand dollars, I don't know how much that's going to get you, but uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, nowadays I that's know. a drop in the pan, right? But I mean, yeah. just the whole fact that they figured out how to do it—it's not how even going to gonna get you a house in Salt Lake. I <laughs> no shit about that. Barely in Spokane nowadays. I'll tell you what, dude. Oh my god. But yeah, it's uh, stuff like that. I know it's it sounds sci-fi and it sounds so you know I I check it and I see if there's other sources. Um, you know it it is experimentation that they've they've done I, on a very rudimentary. I mean, so they taught it how to play pong. Okay, step one. But uh, just the premise of it, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I've I keep going back and forth on what I think about all the AI stuff, like especially like seeing that study where it's like. Uh, an an AI program that was like open to the public, something like chat GPT. Yeah. Got a simple math problem, right? 98% of the time. And then once it had been online and been getting a bunch of input, it got it right. 2% of the time, like a month later. Oh, really? Like, I didn't hear that one. I heard yeah. one that uh, literally it was some AI was trying to have a guy leave his wife because the AI cared more about the, him. Than, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing with like machine learning and AI, like it all comes down to algorithms and oh, absolutely, are just basically giant if then statements and like, well, and, and look I, at the I, network, look at the internet now, dude, look at the bullshit that's intertwined with real stuff in the internet. You're what are you choosing to feed these things? I mean, that's the thing. Well, yeah, that's know? why like the first chat bot that one of those groups put online i can't remember who it was if it was like facebook or google or something but this was a few years ago and within like hours of it being put online it 
was saying like the most racist fucked up shit. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like people who were interacting with it online thought it was funny to yeah. pump it to, to feed it that, that shit. Right. It's know? just like raising a, uh, a narrow-minded child that goes to school uh, and learns about racism. Where'd you learn about racism? Well, it was your parents, I'm sure. Not the fucking school curriculum. So Well, and it's like, it's, I don't know. It's that shit's only as good as the people that write it. Absolutely. You know? It's still and humans the, are still and behind then the it. input that gets added to it. And right. Having, right. I don't know, right. having seen, we got to let the algorithm learn fuck up so much shit in previous lives. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, you know, and I've read, I listened to a couple things and I've read some articles about, you know, how they're training AI and what they're, you know, how they're doing it. And every, oh, scared AI is taking over schools and kids are using it to write the reports. But, you know, and then, for example, there's one teacher that's flat. He's been teaching for 20 years. He's like, I can tell. I mean, unless yeah. you're a fucking dummy, I can tell if my student used chat GPT to write about Napoleon. It's very fucking obvious <laughs> that it didn't come from him, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't think it's as scary at this point as thing as people are making it out to be. For for but. me, it's, it's not scary in a Skynet Terminator kind of way. It's scary in a people are giving it too much credit and trying to use it too soon for right. like everyday thing. Right. It's going to fuck shit up. Yeah. yeah like 100%. not like it's going to become self-aware and kill us. It's going to yeah. uh, make misinformation even more prevalent than it already is. It's just going to yeah. like fuck yeah. up the information oh, it's gonna muddle. landscape even worse it, than it already yep. is. It's going to muddle everything. That's a problem. Now you got miscommunication. that's going to be right in the middle of fucking everything more. Yeah. Than Cause so everyone thinks that the chat bot can't lie. And it's like, well, yeah, well, if it, it gets fed bad information, it'll spit bad yeah. information back. Yeah, yeah like it's not. See, and that's the thing. People are like, the, as far as unless, you know, Google or fucking the military has some sentient fucking IA, AI and they're not saying it, it. There's nothing sentient about this shit now. There's there's not. I mean, they can say that it's acting that way, but I we're far, far from. And I'm with you. I'm not worried about fucking Terminator coming, you know, tomorrow. But it, I'm worried about it adding to the dumbness of society and what we already have, yeah. you know, and we're already so fucking dumb. Oh my God, dude, I don't even want to talk about it. You know, granted this podcast isn't a philosophical one. However, you know, I, I think we're a little bit astute at, at least a, a smidgen, but anyway, but I don't know, man, that's all I got. What do you, uh, what do you got on your side? You got another one or. Yeah, I got one more. That's a little more okay. fun. Okay. Um, this is a story that uh, good old Alan Greenfield retweeted um, that I thought was pretty fun. Nice. Uh, there's a haunted town in America that's been entirely abandoned and is illegal to oh. visit. You can't go ghost hunting there, Shane. Titillating. Um, yeah. So although many things divide or bring people closer together, one thing that almost always invokes an op- opinion is ghosts. For some, there's no possible way that ghosts could be real. Meanwhile, others swear that they've been in the presence of one. Either way, it's fun to speculate. However, a haunted town in Connecticut has been deemed uh, uh, deemed in such despair that it's illegal to visit. Hmm. So uh, the haunted town in Connecticut has an interesting and complex history that some have speculated dates as far back as the 1500s. However, Dudleytown, Connecticut, wasn't settled until the 1740s and 50s, uh, eerily in a valley called Dark Entry Forest. That's a dubious name. Uh, Perhaps (laughs) a coincidence. (laughs) Perhaps not. Interestingly, the haunted town was abandoned in the 1800s, so it didn't last all that long. Uh, Dudleytown was first settled by Thomas Griffiths, who was later joined by Gideon Dudley. His family followed shortly after, and by 1753, the Dudleys were on a mission to find a fresh start. Some even believe that the story began tracing all Dudley lineage back to one Saxon named Dud. Legend has it. Uh, Let's see. They missed a period there. (laughs) Anyway, uh, legend had it. Gideon Dudley fled to America, hoping to avoid a longtime family curse after his father was beheaded. Unfortunately, the Dudleys are believed to have been partaking in a sort of dark magic involving a mythical book thought to open the gates of hell. As a result, some have speculated that they and or sorry, some have speculated they and anyone with whom they came into contact were doomed. Therefore, onlookers attribute the town's numerous unexplainable tragedies to the curse that the Dudleys had so desperately tried to outrun. 
Throughout its short-lived history, the haunted town had a reputation for repeated murders, suicides, <laughs> or failed businesses. Uh, oh, uh, no. Uh, Not failed businesses. Jesus. That ghost made me go uh, tits up. I don't know what's going on here. While there are countless unexplained phenomena, a few of the most interesting include a family who all faced sudden doom after their relative Nathaniel Carter moved to Dudley Town. Six of his relatives died of cholera, and the rest were killed upon fleeing town and settling in New York. Jesus. Meanwhile, another resident, William Tanner, is rumored to have been plagued by creatures coming out of the woods at night. Uh, weird little synchronicity there. I just rewatched Hellier. Anyway, um, nearing 50 years later, General Herman Swift lost his wife when she was unexpectedly struck by lightning. It's said that the grief-stricken general that's not died funny, shortly but that's after. Funny. <laughs> How would you like to be <laughs> on a, is, just a funny. fucking stroll and you get fucking blasted by lightning? Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. It would be wild. Uh, with more and more strange reportings, deaths, and failed businesses, again with the failed businesses, <laughs> uh, the town had become virtually abandoned by 1900. In contrast, the 1920s brought about a, a potential glimmer of positivity for the desolate and seemingly haunted town. Philanthropists began using the land to reforest after decades of agricultural use had damaged the soil. Although it's still used for that purpose today, the town's reputation took another bizarre turn. In the 1970s, the seemingly haunted town's reputation took another bizarre thank you for repeating that another bizarre <laughs> turn declared demonically possessed in the Uh-oh. 1970s. Um, Satanic panic. Let's yeah. Let's see. A glimmer of light was on the horizon for the seemingly haunted town when Dr. William Clark stumbled upon it in 1918. He deemed it an ideal vacation home. Oddly, his wife also reported creatures in the forest. His pivotal moment huh. seemed, or sorry, this pivotal moment seemed to shape the haunted town's future because from then on it has been associated or sorry, it's been prevented by the dark entry forest association um, or sorry, preserved, not prevented. That I, I was kidding. <laughs> It'll be funny though. <laughs> sorry. The, uh, I should probably turn up the font on my phone. If I'm having that. Hard time reading it. Um, let's see. Uh, it's been preserved by the dark entry forest association. Upon leaving the town, Dr. Clark helped to create the association for philanthropists helping reforest the land after years of soil damage due to agricultural use. Although it's still used for that purpose today, the town's reputation took another bizarre turn. And why is this repeating itself in the seventies um, declared demonically possessed? Here we go. On the other hand, skeptics like Dr. John F. Leash don't believe in any of the stories. He's been a resident of the dark entry forest Valley since 1952. My wife and I have been spending summers here since 1952. Dr. Leash said there are approximately 50 state shareholders in the Dark Entry Forest Association and about 20 houses, and none of us have ever seen anything strange or supernatural. So there. Hmm. I get uh, back ghost, at you. <laughs> ghost stories don't seem to be enough to deter visitors as many continue to venture out into the haunted town. Some came back with reports of strange sensations like that of someone reaching out for them. Meanwhile, others are simply reminded or reprimanded for trespassing and sent home with no ghoulish tales to share either way. The seemingly haunted town is highly monitored and therefore off limits to the public. And what is this again? Um, is it Dudley, Dudleyville, Dudleymore? Du- that- yeah. I, okay. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. Look this and, thing up. and basically, if you go there, you'll get a trespassing ticket. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there you go. That's funny. I like the Ghostbuster quote. It reached for me. It had arms. God. Yeah. And then this article just goes on to talk about other supposedly haunted towns like New Orleans and Savannah. And Portland. I think I think actually we covered a couple or I did or something on some SU oddities about like haunted town, like some Centralia supposedly haunted the one that's on fire in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's been on fire since the 60s. Um, badass movie though. Silent Hill was based on that, which was really cool. But you know, based on a game, based on that, right? Exactly. Interesting. Well, it looks like I got to pack my bags and go on a trip. So yeah, we'll see. That's cool. Love a haunted town. I always do. But um, I so I have one last thing on my side. Not necessarily a news article, but there was a preview. And again, back to the movies because I just you know find it intriguing. 
there's one that's coming out in I want to say September called A Haunt A Haunting in Venice. And Tina Fey is actually in it, uh, but it's a serious, like a ghost thing where this investigator is back in the seance days, back in the 20s, 30s. He can't figure out whether the ghosts are killing people or somebody else in the castle is killing people. It, it looks really, really good. But anyway, just throwing it out there for a, for a preview if somebody wants to flag it. But um, yeah, I don't have anything else other than that. I mean, there's more news to cover, but I think, uh, you know, we've got some time. We'll throw maybe some SU oddities and cover some stories around that. Um you got anything else on your side, man? I do not. Okay. Well, with that being said, that was our 14 monthly. Uh, again, stand by for hopefully a cool write-up. You know, we've been doing some research on it, and uh, we'll have some companion pieces maybe around it. Again, fingers crossed. And then uh, we'll go from there. But, yeah, more to come. And, yeah, um, you can write us if you got subjects, topics, anything you want to at strangejunkles at gmail.com. You can call us at 801-252-69. 45 let us know and uh how are we looking on everything else man uh we're at strange uncles podcast on instagram and facebook someday i will post something there again <laughs> someday One of these um <laughs> we're at strange uncles on twitter or x as it's now called oh my god don't even get me fucking started <laughs> i swear to god yeah i i don't think that's gonna last very long I'm not they, they to already took it shit. down off the fucking building dude i mean well yeah because dickhead <laughs> put it up there without getting any permits, permits are like, fucking wow. nothing else. Like, let's put a Christ. giant bright flashy thing on top of a building without a permit and see how long it takes the city to say no jesus fuck Christ. you <laughs> so fucking dumb he's such a my fucking god moron. That guy. anyway anyway uh what yeah a, we a have pucks. a youtube channel um i think that's about it i think we got actually i got a couple of more subscribers last week i think I got some emails oh, nice. on that. Nah, I don't know. You know, people are here and there. You know, they find us. So, again, you know, spread the word. You know, make us more popular than we are. We're not doing too bad. You know, we, we got some. We're up in the thousands for downloads uh, monthly, sometimes weekly. So, but, you know, the more the merrier. And if you like what we talk about, you know, spread the word. If you yeah. really want more, you can become a Patreon member. Of course, patreon.com slash strangeuncles. Um, and there you will find SU oddities. You'll find some original scripts. You'll find some extended shows. Uh, a lot of fun stuff there. So um, check that out. But yeah, yeah help us keep the lights on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Poor Josh over there doesn't have a job. Ew. You know, <laughs> got to pay for something. But uh, anyway, there you go, folks. Uh, enjoy. Close the gates.